you're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, welcome back to our campfire here at Kinder Outdoors. Really glad that you're here. Uh, and congratulations right off the bat to the winners of the quarter-million-dollar Mr. Crappie Classic down on the Red River out of Shreveport, Louisiana last weekend. A couple of Arkansas boys, Jared Falk and Jeff Larch, won that thing. They're both guides in Arkansas and surprised themselves when they came in with the lead on day one, held it on day two, and finished it off on day three, picking up that $100,000 first place check. Front door to the camp house brought to you by Calming Care from the trusted name Purina. Calming Care, it very safely and gently, effectively settles the overactive dog over time. That dog that tears up your furniture, your doors, your carpet, freaks out during a thunderstorm, Calming Care can help you. Calming Care. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. You can also see my interview with Jared and Jeff there as well. Both seasons are open now across most of these United States. We're going to talk about it today with our pro, Kyle Chambers from Cinnamon Creek Archery. Talking about things like sighting in, practice, and other important stuff. Plus, we're headed for Alaska. Bryn Parr is a wildlife biologist in Alaska, and her job is to study the muskox. Yes, we have muskox in the United States, only in Alaska. And yes... There is a season on muskox. As a management tool, some muskox are hunted each year. Learn more about the muskox. It's pretty doggone interesting stuff, and it's coming up on the show. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and make yourself at home. Glad you're here with us at Kinder Outdoors. Chucker season opens today in Nevada for the strong-hearted. <laughs> That's that old chucker laughing at you after you and the dogs made a heart-pounding, lung-burning climb to get to him up on top of the hill. And before you could get into shotgun range, he flew back down to the bottom. Go down there, and he'll come back up here. That's called chucker hunting. The old saying is you hunt chucker the first time for fun and then the rest of your life for revenge. Y'all have fun <laughs> in Nevada today. One of the greatest hunting traditions in North America, or in the world as far as I'm concerned, is the South Dakota pheasant hunt. The season opens next weekend, October 16th, runs through January 31st. As of last year, 2020, the season has been expanded to the end of January. You should find plenty of pheasants this season, despite the dry conditions and drought over the summer. If you'll adjust your tactics... Put in a little time scouting. Get some local knowledge. You'll have a successful season. It was a mild winter last year, which resulted in high upland game bird survival across the landscape. Pheasant and grouse populations will be older. They've seen dogs and hunters before. They're going to be spooky, but you should have plenty of opportunity. They've been doing a quail count in Oklahoma forever. They do their quail counts in August, roadside counts in August, and again in October. The numbers are in from the August roadside survey, and it's not good. The 2021 August roadside quail survey showed the statewide quail index down slightly from last year, from 1.68 to 1.56. How does that rate over a longer period of time? 
Well, it's more than 70% below the 32-year average, more than 49% below the 10-year average. It's not good. Despite a wet spring and summer, lots of bugs and weeds and things that quail need, the quail counts are not good. We're hearing that same story across much of West Texas. Eric McCoy went out on Otter Tail Lake in Minnesota last week and did what 21-year-olds just aren't supposed to do. He blew the doors off the competition and won the biggest walleye event in fishing by over 13 pounds and became the youngest pro to win a major championship. His dad, Kevin, has been competing for the better part of 30 years in walleye tournaments, and his wife, Karen, has held her own as a team partner of Kevin's. But lately, it's the youngest member of the family that's grabbing the headlines. Congratulations, Eric McCoy, 2021 National Walleye Tour Championship winner. When they round up the buffalo in South Dakota, it's a big deal. A three-day festival is part of it. Folks come out by the thousands to watch the 60 horseback cowboys wrangle the herd of 1,450 bison. You see, they round them up into the corrals for their annual health check. And this year, it was a record crowd in attendance. More than 22,000 visitors for the buffalo roundup in South Dakota at Custer State Park. That's awesome. Hey, you want to go next year? It's September 30th, Friday, September 30th, 2022. Calming Care. That is the product from the trusted name Purina that settles the overactive dog, that dog that climbs all over you in the blind before your run at a field trial. This settles your dog without taking the hunt out of it. Learn more about Calming Care when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. State of Missouri has done a tremendous conservation job over the years, so well that they now have a rough grouse season. They'll have a black bear season this year, and it's the second elk season in a row that gets underway next weekend. Check out the video at kinderoutdoors.com to learn more. It's pretty cool. Hey, everybody, it's Colorado Buck. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it. With Kinder Outdoors. Hey, Billy, where, where in the world did he go? Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The Vineyards sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall. The Dead Rabbit 
Lodge. <laughs> you see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Therefore, the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Owyhee. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 per days in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Castelleria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air-conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. U.S. Highway 287 carries elk hunters and fly fishers, snow skiers and bird dog chasers, 72-ounce steak eaters, buried Cadillac picture takers, antelopers, prairie doggers, and rattlesnakers. The Herdware Store sits on Highway 287 near Goodnight, Texas. Now, only 18 people live around here, so to keep the lights turned on, we need you 287 travelers to stop by. Come in out of the weather and take a look at the most unique store between the Gulf and Pacific coasts. One-of-a-kind artwork, jewelry, knives, and more. Feel the luxurious softness and warmth of bison socks, gloves, hats, beanies, blankets, and scarves. You'll think it's cashmere, and it's warmer than wool. Our sister company, Buffalo Wool, produces the finest bison products on the planet. The herdware store is boots and shoes, bison blankets and throws, even bison meats for the road. The herdware store, 42 miles southeast of Amarillo. Hey, drop by right now at herdware.net. You're in good conservation company with Kinder Outdoors. It's bow season most places, and if you haven't already been, you're about to go. A great time to remember a few practice tips and spend a little time on the range with Kinder Outdoors and Cinnamon Creek Ranch Pro Kyle Chambers. Hey, Kyle. Welcome back, buddy. Always good to spend time with you. Let's talk about practice a little bit. Uh, we you know, kind of fall into a rut, or I do anyway. I'll stand out in the backyard and I'll fling arrows at 20 yards and 30 yards over and over and over and over and over from that same position. But we really don't need to get stuck in that rut, do we? No, sir. You like to practice how you're going to hunt. That could be a lot of different ways. Sure, yeah. If you're hunting out of a ground blind, you need to be practicing out of a ground blind. 
Uh, if you're going to be hunting from an elevated position, then that's how you need to be practicing. And when people come to me talking about shotgun and practice with shotgun, I always say, wear the vest that you're going to dove hunt with. Wear the, wear the vest, wear the equipment that you're going to quail hunt with. It's time now to get used to see how, how your camo, how your equipment, your pack, whatever you've got on, whatever you take with you when you bow hunt, is going to feel how it's, how it's going to affect your shot, your stretch, and your pull. Most definitely. Um, if you're wearing loose baggy clothing, you need to practice in that stuff because it could affect your shot. If you're using a face mask, for example, you'll want to practice with your face mask on because that could also affect the way you anchor uh, and could hinder you in some ways. So, so yeah, definitely want to practice wearing the equipment you're going to be you're going to be hunting in. Let's talk about practicing from an elevated position because uh, most of our, our archers are probably going to hunt from a tree stand. When we take that shot, we want to bend at the trunk and not just aim that bow like a gun, right? Sure, yeah. You always want to bend at the waist. Uh, never drop your shoulders. That's going to change your anchor point, and that's really where your, your misses are going to come from uh, by dropping your shoulders, not, not bending at the waist. And, of course, uh, in practice as well as when that 10-point buck steps out that we've been looking for for three years, uh, we want to remember our basics and our stance, anchor position, keep everything in line. Yeah, it's always good, even when you're practicing, to have a, a mental a mental prep, uh, different steps in your mind to, to kind of walk yourself through as you're shooting so you can remember that whenever the time comes and that big buck steps out. How much do you recommend uh, that we practice uh, every day of the week, three days a week enough? I don't believe you can really practice too much. So, yeah, if you want to shoot every day and you can and you have the opportunity to shoot every day, then, yeah, of course, I'd recommend you, you practice every day. Kyle, don't run off. I want to talk to you more about uh, getting tuned up and ready to go for bow season. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Fortiflora, America's number one canine probiotic. If you own a dog, if you have a dog, it doesn't matter what they do. If they specialize in sleeping on the couch or pointing birds for you, you need to keep Fortiflora handy. All of our dogs suffer from GI upset from time to time, and Fortiflora fixes that. Order it from Chewy.com. The executive director of the Dallas Safari Club joins me now, my friend Corey Mason. Corey, we didn't have a DSC convention and expo this year, but hey, that's okay. That just gives us two years to get ready, prepared for a giant 40th anniversary party in January of 2022. We are super excited about it. Yep, COVID kept us from doing it last year. We could not be more excited, and people from all over the world are knocking on the door ready to come. I bet you're getting phone calls every day from people everywhere saying, let me in. We're, you know, people, the excitement from people that attend the event asking all these detailed questions, which is really early to get those questions at this point in the calendar, to exhibitors that we roughly have a 1,000 of them in the room, and our, our waiting list now has grown to five, six, seven hundred people that will wow. want to be in the room to exhibit. Wow, that's just amazing. And, uh, boy, there's a reason why everybody wants to get in that room, too, because it is, it is very possibly the greatest conservation gathering on planet Earth. It, it truly is. It's a ton of people. It's the best of the best, the most knowledgeable, uh, that all come together for four days, like-minded folks. You know, what I'm so proud of is the fact that we bring sportsmen and sportswomen together of all kinds uh, from all over the world. And by that I mean the person that really enjoys small game hunting, waterfowl hunting, deer hunting, to someone that wants to go to Asia to hunt a species in the mountains. Everything in between. Wildlife ministries representing southern Africa to Europe to, uh, to Canada, wherever it might be, that, that come to work with DSC on conservation perspectives, members of U.S. Congress that come, other NGO organizations, partners, 
hunters and anglers from all over the world that convene on Dallas, Texas, those four days, to be part of something really special. Yeah, you're talking about these these uh, ministers from uh, around the globe and, and very important decision makers, and from right here, congressmen, senators, they'll be there. That's exactly right. Game and Fish Agency's representatives from all across North America, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they're all in the room because they recognize the uniqueness of this gathering of 30-plus thousand people. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And if if you are a, a U.S. congressman and you're here, if you're Senator Ted Cruz and you're here uh, for very important meetings, or if you're Billy Kinder and you just bought a $25 ticket and walked in the door, I'm just as important as those guys because we're all on the same team. My 25 bucks. My involvement, their involvement is all headed for the same mission. That's exactly right. They're in the room and they're supporting the mission of DSC by buying that ticket and supporting people in that room. So they ultimately support our mission of conservation around the world. Yep, and if you are uh, of the party crowd, they don't throw them any bigger than DSC banquets, (laughs) and there's lots of them. We do. We have banquets each night. We would love to have people attend. It's a great gathering. We have the ability to recognize really unique award winners from a conservation standpoint and various other arenas that we touch, education and advocacy in Washington, D.C., and our great ambassadors there. Uh, But the ability to get together with 800 to 1,000 people in a room at night to celebrate, to participate in auctions if they choose to do that, and be together with like-minded people and support the mission of DSC. Let's talk about those auctions a little bit because it doesn't matter what you're looking for. You're going to find it at one of these auctions, silent auctions, live auctions every day. You bet. We have it all. We have those things that occur during the day. Uh, where, like you say, you can bid on your phone. You can bid in the room. Uh, for and, and that can be literally everything from, a, from an ammunition car, gift certificate, if you will, to Hornady, uh, to a piece of jewelry, uh, to, to that particular scope maybe you've been looking for, optics of all kinds, to hunting and fishing trips around the world that are in silent auctions and raffles. And then as we move towards our evening nights, uh, the, the banquets, excuse me, that occur in the evenings, Great auctions from those, and those are, you know, everything literally from a, uh, a great bird hunt uh, right here in, in Texas or Kansas, if you will, uh, to an elk hunt out west, um, to a fishing trip in Panama, bird hunting trip in, you know, South America, to uh, an African dangerous game hunting, everything in between. <laughs> and you, you can testify that it's a pretty good way to, to get started on safari. You, you did. Uh, just returned from uh, a trip, Namibia, I believe it was, with your family. Uh, and it was a trip that all started at a DSC convention. It did. It started at the DSC convention a couple of years ago. Uh, and we had the great privilege of hunting one of the past DSC exhibitors of the year uh, and spent a couple of weeks there with a fa- fabulous, fabulous family trip. Who did you hunt with? We hunted with Aru uh, Game Lodges in okay. Namibia. Yeah. And for folks that have never been on safari, tell them what it's like to use a rock for a pillow and, you know, uh, sleep on the hard ground. Safari is not like that. Yeah, you can certainly do that if you want, uh, but it's not what we did. We, we hunted out of a lodge, which was really nice, great meals, uh, great accommodations, uh, and we hunted, uh, you know, out in the African veld and mountains and, and uh, Kalahari Desert, and uh, it was just a spectacular experience that was great for the whole family. My 12-year-old daughter went. Uh, took a few animals. My wife and I did as well, and it's truly a family experience. And you actually eat that wild game uh, and have a whole new full experience uh, there with your family. How cool is that? It was wonderful, and, and also well knowing that you know where that meat goes ultimately as well. Local communities, uh, and it's just a spectacular experience. And every evening, 
is just capped with time around the campfire. Yeah, that's perfect. And it all starts at Dallas Safari Club Convention and Expo, January 6, 7, 8, and 9. 40th anniversary for uh, DSC Convention and Expo, and it is going to be a, uh, a blowout. I'm sure looking forward to it, Corey. We look forward to having everybody there. We welcome any questions they have. Please come see us. Corey Mason, Executive Director of Dallas Safari Club. Hey, we're going to take a little break, make a run to the coffee pot, but last weekend at the Mr. Crappie Classic, that quarter-million-dollar crappie tournament, I was walking down through the line of anglers early in the morning before the launch, and there stood a Hall of Fame bass fisherman. (laughs) Shaw Grigsby was there. We'll say hello to him next. Hey, everybody. It's professional angler Mark Davis. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Don't head to the country without stopping at Teskey's Outdoors and Weatherford. I'm Randy Jackson reminding you that we are on the way to the ranch just west of Weatherford on the south side of Interstate 20. We have rifles, pistols, shotguns, all from dependable names like Smith & Wesson, Browning, Beretta, Christensen, Megara, Six Hour, Winchester, and many more. Be sure to ask about our used gun selection, too. Teskey's Outdoors can deck you out for the field and the boat with outdoor wear from Patagonia, Cool, Sims, Howler Brothers, Ariat, Free Fly, Sitka, North Face, and many others. We are a one-stop shop on your way to the rancher lease with ammo for ducks, dove, quail, deer, varmints, and even tin cans. Heck, you can buy your hunting and fishing license at Teskey's Outdoors in Weatherford. Bring the trader, deer blinds, speed, and feeders available, too. We have what you need and what you forgot to pack when you left the house. Teskey's Outdoors on the south side of I-20, just west of Weatherford. The Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun or listened from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, Small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom, so your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, 
Delicious every time. CajunFryer.com National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey... That's phony. This is this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. The old camp house floor creaks a little, but don't worry. You're on solid ground with Hender Outdoors. Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie, made the announcement at the Crappie Expo last week that, hey, we're headed back to Branson, Missouri and Lake of the Ozarks next year, the 2022 Crappie Classic and Expo. That Crappie Classic, the world's richest crappie tournament, it paid a quarter million dollars. And when you hand out that kind of money, bass fishermen sneak in there, huh? Ran into Shaw Grigsby while I was going through the line of anglers prior to launch last Thursday morning, opening day. Shaw Grigsby, did you take a wrong turn at Memphis? What are you doing at a crappie tournament, dude? I'm having fun. I tell you, this is <laughs> this is a treat. This is my first crappie tournament, and and uh, it's the biggest crappie tournament. It's it's got the best of ever. I mean, you know, just all the crappie anglers are here. It's amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? Did you ever think you could you could jerk a perch for a quarter million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> never did, never did. But you know, Wally's done such a great job, and Shreveport's just falling out. You know, Bozier City, they just really, you know, just you know, brought out the red carpet and just really, uh, really made us feel at home here. And I can tell you something: I've never been just more impressed with the anglers here. These guys are just amazing, and the technology that they use, and their, you know, the the techniques they use. It's just 
coaches. They have taken it to another level. Yeah. Shaw Grigsby's been around a day or two, been to a tournament or two. Uh, and for you to have your eyes open to this, uh, you know, you haven't seen it all, have you? No, no. This is uh, definitely eye-opening. Yeah, there you go. So tell me about crappie fishing down in Florida. Uh, you know, the water's about three foot deep down there. You could wade, roll your britches legs up and wade and catch some specks under the under them pads. Yeah, you know, we fish a lot of lily pads, a lot of vegetation. You know, we have a occasionally a place that has a stump or two, but it's not very often. So this is totally new up here. Yeah. Have you fished uh, in your bass fishing career, the Red River? Were you in the uh, in the Classic here? Yeah, I think I fished two Classics here and, a, and probably two other tournaments or maybe even three. But uh, it's, uh, it's a fun river, so at least that gave me a little knowledge of how to run around to keep from crashing my boat. There you go. Are you ever tempted when you're out there practicing for crappie to, uh, <laughs> to throw a bass plug? <laughs> Absolutely, and we actually <laughs> caught a couple bass on our on our crappie plug, so that's pretty cool. Hey, we're so glad you're here, Charles. Welcome. Thank you. We're uh, for having a great time here. Hey, I guess I've hunted with all of the guides over the years at Joshua Creek Ranch. Over 100 years of experience out in the field, whether it's a axis deer hunt, native whitetail or turkeys, or their world-famous upland bird hunting, you're going to hunt behind the finest dogs with the best guides. They're going to keep you safe in the field, you and your family and your clients. You're going to see what world-class bird hunting is all about. You're going to eat well, sleep well, laugh hard, and come back again. Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. I have Bryn Parr on that Kinder Outdoors trot line now. Bryn is in Alaska, Nome, Alaska. She's a wildlife biologist there. I'm really excited to have you on the show, Bryn. Welcome. Thank you. It's really good to have you here because you're going to give us some insight today on a critter that very few human beings will ever experience eyeball to eyeball, and that's the muskox. Pretty cool and interesting animal as I read about your research. Pretty fascinating, aren't they? They really are. It's uh, a very unique animal, and I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to study them. Bren, how did you end up in Alaska studying muskox? Are you from the lower 48, or are you, is, is Alaska home? No, I grew up in Illinois. I have an uncle up here who flies biologists around, and one winter he came back to Illinois for Christmas with all these cool photos of some of the research projects that he had helped out on, and something finally clicked in my head that there are biologists out there who study animals, and I wanted to be one of them. So I shifted gears and decided to go to college to be a wildlife biologist, and then when I graduated with my master's, I bought a one-way ticket to Alaska. How cool is that? Bren is a wildlife biologist in uh, Alaska. I guess you live there uh Nome, and something that Nome residents can do that I guess no one else can in the United States is maybe look out the window and see a, a muskox out on the lawn. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a strange <laughs> sight for sure. It takes some getting used to. <laughs> so let's talk about the muskox a little bit. First of all, the the how big is the muskox population, and where are they outside of Alaska? The current population on the Seward Peninsula, which includes the known population here, is estimated to be about 2,100 animals, and I think it's somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 animals total in the state of Alaska. And then as far as where they're found in the world, you'll find them in Alaska, uh, northern Canada, and Greenland. And that's it. Muskox are in limited supply. And yes. pretty fascinating research. I thought, you know, I, I knew nothing about a muskox. And I started reading 
about your research, and I was fascinated to hear that they roar kind of like a lion. Uh, they make a pretty threatening sound, don't they? Yeah, it's a, it's a very surprising sound. If you're not looking at them and seeing the animal that's making the noise, um, it can definitely catch you off guard the first couple times you hear it. They also, in defense, I guess, because they've got to fight off grizzlies and wolves and some, some pretty bad stuff up there, uh, but they all band together to uh, protect themselves. They do a traditional circling the wagon type descent. So typically when a predator comes, they'll circle up and they'll put the babies in the middle and the adult heads will be faced out because that's where the horns are and their main method of protecting themselves. They'll also form a line sometimes. So if it's just a single predator, they'll line up and all the adults will face that wolf or that bear or that human. And then the younger animals will be behind them. And they will venture out. They'll they'll come eat the the roses out of the lawn in the summertime, right? And the flowers. Yeah, yep. They enjoy coming into town and <laughs> um, annoying people by eating from their gardens or their flower beds. <laughs> we have that trouble with white-tailed deer in Texas, but we've never looked <laughs> out the window and seen a muskox. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, the winters around Nome, Alaska, and in Greenland and places like that are brutal, but these guys are well-equipped for that. They are. They've got super warm fur. So they've got two layers of fur. Um, there's kivia underneath, and that's a super warm. It's eight times warmer than your warmest wool and softer as well. And then they've got the long skirt hairs that help wick off moisture and um kind of cover the longer parts of their, or excuse me, cover their legs and keep them well protected. Well, and you guys have done some research, uh, some hair research. It's amazing what you can learn uh, just from a few, few, uh, I guess, follicles or, or hairs removed from uh, the muscat. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating that the long guard hairs will grow continuously throughout life and it'll just eventually break off when the bottom of that hair hits the ground. But because it grows continuously, you've got up to four years of data basically stored in this single hair. And so um, using cool technology that even I don't fully understand yet, we're able to go in there and pull out different hormones so we can look back in time and see if that was a female if she was pregnant at any time in the last four years we can look at um, a cortisol stress hormone to see how stressed out they got at different times of year um, and we can correlate that to spring or summer or winter um, as well so it's it's pretty fascinating it seems like it's a just so much data that could be pulled out of that hair yeah, pretty amazing. Um, this has got to be lonely work. Uh, it's you and a herd of muskox out there. I saw a picture of you. Riley Woodford wrote a great article about the muskox, and there's a picture of you uh, sitting out there on the tundra uh, doing your research, and it's just Bren and the muskox out there. Do you ever talk to the muskox, Bren? <laughs> um, well... Probably should admit it, but yes, I do. I'll, I'll talk to him and say it's all right. It's, this is quick and it's almost over. And thank you for letting me handle you. And yeah, <laughs> Bryn Parr, she's a wildlife biologist in Alaska. I'm enjoying my conversation with her about her studies on the muskox. We're going to make a run to the coffee pot and then come back and visit some more. 
Hi, this is Bobby Labonte, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. You'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot there at Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine, because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over 10 pounds. Yes, sir. Three times, uh, twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck, headed for the fishing hole a long time ago. I had an uncle, Uncle Jim, got me started. And it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers, looked like a bumblebee, and that started it all. Three 10-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family. And Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer, a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too, especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. Nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. I'm Tom Watson with Bend Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there is peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. NorfolkResort.com There are some very important factors to check when purchasing a hunting blind. They need to be quiet. They need to have an all-day hunt level of comfort. It's got to be dry inside, even in a downpour. Dillon hunting blinds have earned a strong reputation across North America for their durability, insulation, and marine decking fiberglass floor that will never rot in every blind. Plus smart components like an aluminum RV type door, real glass in the windows that flip in and up with quiet and simple to use friction hinges, drip rails on the windows and above the door to keep the wet out. Hey, anyone can build a box. Dylan builds hunting blinds. 
Conceived, drawn up, constructed, and used by hunters. Lightweight and durable, completely assembled, fiberglass inside and out, with foam insulation in between. You can't beat a Dillon. For a dealer near you or to become a dealer, visit DillonManuf.com. That's D-I-L-L-O-N-M-A-N-U-F.com. kids along this is where heritage is guarded just for them kinder outdoors hey the phone number here in the cap house is one eight seven seven eight twenty bbko one eight seven seven eight twenty twenty two fifty six and the website kinder k-i-n-d-e-r kinderoutdoors.com go there and register and win one of our cool new kinder outdoors t-shirts they're pretty slick i want to give you one KinderOutdoors.com. We're visiting with Bryn Parr in Nome, Alaska today. She's a wildlife biologist, and she's there to study the muskox. And sometimes that research, Bryn, requires you to jump out of a helicopter. (laughs) I want to hear about that. Welcome back, Bryn Parr. Yeah, some of your research that you do, some of the uh, material that you collect from these muskox requires you to jump from the skid of a helicopter, right? (laughs) Sometimes. It depends on what we're doing. But, yeah, one of the current projects that we're working on, we're trying to determine when and why younger muskox die. And so the best way that we found to do that was to put collars on them when they're first born, anywhere from a day to two weeks old. Um, And to catch them at that age, uh, yeah, we, we jump off the helicopter skid. We'll come in low, and the calves aren't able to keep up with the adults yet, so they'll just naturally fall behind when the group takes off running. And um, we'll be one of us will be stationed on that skid, and as we get close, we'll just take a little jump off and catch the calf and put a collar on it quick and let it go. How long does that take total from the time you leave the skid of that helicopter to the time you're finished with your work? Uh, the average time this past spring was 16 seconds. Oh, yeah. You've got to get it done fast because I'm thinking Mama Muskox over there is not real happy with you guys, you know, whatever you're doing for that cat. <laughs> they are not happy at all. Um, and we, <clears throat> they're just a, they're a very unique animal, and it doesn't take much for the mama to just forget that she had a cat and walk away. So we're, we try to minimize scent transfer so we'll wear gloves and we'll wear leg uh, booties that will minimize the smell of humans touching that animal the collars will throw in a bag of tundra ahead of time so that the collar smells like the tundra that the animals are out on and then yeah we we try to minimize and make that collaring process as fast as possible to get the calf back with mom as fast as possible 16 seconds, you know, you could you could qualify for like a NASCAR pit crew or, uh, you know, <laughs> the muskox crew. It's pretty fast there, uh, taking care of that. What do these collars tell us? When you collar these calves, what, what, is, what information are you looking for? It is basically alive or dead, and we can, as long as we're out flying, we can track their movements. So the collar is equipped with a motion sensor, and if that animal stops moving, whether it's because the collar fell off or because the animal died, that collar stops moving and eventually the signal switches over and says, hey, I'm dead, come find me. Um, 
so we'll go out and we'll investigate and try to figure out what happened. Um, and then they're not GPS equipped. They don't give us a location every day in order to find that collar or find the animal. We have to be out physically radio tracking either from the air or from the ground. Wow. Okay. So it's a mortality study, and uh, you're trying to determine what percentage uh, did the grizzlies get, what percentage died of natural causes, et cetera, nutrition. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I got you. Very good. The muskox, not very many people uh, realize and know that we have uh, a healthy herd of muskox in Alaska, in the United States, but uh, just like our white-tailed deer or anything else, these numbers must be managed. Um, the herds must be managed. So there's active hunting of the muskox, right? There is, yes. And you can, I guess, learn more about that through uh, through the state of uh, Alaska with the fishing game folks up there, and they can they can tell you about that. And and I would think um, that Brent, your work and the work of other biologists there uh, determines. The season length, just like in the lower 48 with our ducks or anything else, uh, season length and, and uh, herd control, how many numbers you need to, to take out. Yeah, that's part of the study on the Seward Peninsula here is aimed at, at determining that. So we're looking at the calf mortality, how many of them die and when and what do they die from. But as part of that, we're also looking at the importance of mature bulls and you know, we're correlating, okay, does this calf die? How many mature bulls were in the group with it? Um, do we need a certain number of mature bulls per group in order to increase the chances of survival? Um, and so basically when we're done with this study, what we hope to take away is looking at how many of the calves survive to be recruited into the population and then also just how important are those bulls to that calf survival. Mm-hmm. I was interested uh, in when I when I was reading uh, there was a paragraph entitled "Other Ways to Die." Of course, talking about wolves, talking about bears uh, in these mortality rates, and a couple of really odd things have happened through the years. I guess uh, there's there's proof that uh, wolverine killed a calf at one time, and even golden eagles uh, with their powerful talons killed a calf at one time. So you know, basically, if you're a muskox calf. Uh, in Alaska, everything's out to get you. Yes. For that first month, you're pretty susceptible to just about anything. Do you ever want to take them home and, like, raise them for the first 60 days in the spare bedroom? <laughs> it has crossed my mind, but I don't think my dogs would approve. <laughs> that may not work out too well. Well, hey, it is absolutely fascinating. Uh, Bren Parr is a wildlife biologist studying the muskox in Alaska. And I highly recommend you come to my, my website, kinderoutdoors.com. We've got the article by Riley uh, Woodford linked up there so you can read it uh, for yourself and, and learn more about Brent's good work. Thank you so much for the, for the muskox education today, Brent. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And one of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you and say, Brent, I'm coming to the airport. Pick me up. Show me a muskox. <laughs> you might not even need my help. You'll probably see him as the plane comes into land. She's got a cool job. Brent Parr, wildlife biologist, Nome, Alaska, studying the muskox. Hey, you know what? Another really cool spot is Joshua Creek Ranch in the Texas, in the beautiful Texas hill country. Chris has hunted with Joshua Creek Ranch on several occasions. In fact, he's hunted in a lot of different places. 
and he had this to say, quote, I've been to several high-end hunting lodges over the years, some of which have something that needs significant improvement, but not Joshua Creek Ranch. From accommodations to the dining to the guides and especially the hunting, we had one terrific time and will definitely be back. You will too. Book a trip, world-class wing shooting, and the finest axis deer hunting anywhere. More details at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, before we go to the break, I want to say hello to some folks. Carrie Trahan catches the show in Keller, Texas. How about Ronald Franklin in Shreveport, Louisiana? Marla Wagner catches Kinder Outdoors in Holman, Wisconsin. Deb Ely is in Lincoln, Alabama. And Lauren White in Grand Junction, Colorado. No matter where you are, we are too. <laughs> Either by AM, FM, podcast, we're everywhere you can. Wherever you get your downloads, we're there. And, of course, Sirius XM across the U.S. and Canada. And we thank you very much for spending a little time with us at our camp house each week at Kinder Outdoors. Going to make a run to the coffee pot, stretch our legs for a few minutes, but we'll be back, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. More bow season preparation as we discuss mechanical broadheads versus fixed broadheads. What do you prefer? Why? What are the advantages? Kinder Outdoors and Cinnamon Creek Ranch Pro Kyle Chambers discusses broadheads and helps us get that bow sighted in. While we're on break, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, register for a t-shirt, and take a look at that incredible, hey, it's heated and air-conditioned, incredible off-road vehicle that the state of South Dakota's given away. It all benefits the Second Century Habitat Fund. It's Gary Loomis, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Fish on! camped on the ground and in five-star lodges, but never found a more welcome camp than this one, Kinder Outdoors. Hey, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Billy Kinder. This is our camp house, Kinder Outdoors. You're a welcome guest. Only one rule around here. you got to come back next week and bring a buddy with you, okay? Want to wish you good luck on the water. Maybe you're out chasing fall bass, or you've done your homework and know just exactly where to set up with your bow today. Whatever you're up to, send pictures. We want them for the bragging board. Everybody would love to see what you're doing. It all starts at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. So simple to upload from your laptop, handheld, whatever. This corner of the camp house is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. Pro Plan Performance, 30% protein, 20% fat. It's in the purple bag, and it's exactly what your hardworking bird dog needs at the end of a long, hard day. It'll get them ready to go again tomorrow. Pro Plan Performance is at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hey, what broadheads do you prefer? A fixed broadhead, a mechanical broadhead? They've become a lot more dependable over the years. There are advantages, individual advantages to each, and it all boils down to personal choice. We're going to talk a little bit about broadheads, mechanical and fixed, 
with our archery pro from Cinnamon Creek Ranch, Kyle Chambers, coming up again in just a few minutes. Hey, if you're hunting Nebraska, a couple of rule changes you need to be aware of. One of them involves bait. The amended baiting regulation states that it is now illegal to hunt any big game animal or turkey within 200 yards of a baited area. An area is to be considered baited for 10 days following the complete removal of all bait. The hunter and the animal must be outside of that baited area during the harvest or attempted harvest. Big game animals in Nebraska are deer, elk, antelope, bighorn sheep, and mountain lions. The other regulation allows big game and turkey hunters to carry a handgun now, as long as the barrel is no longer than five inches, while bow hunting or hunting with a muzzleloader. Hey, let's talk about the vaccine. No, not that one. The rabies vaccine. Would you know what to do if you or your bird dog were scratched, bitten, attacked by a rabid animal? Thank goodness because of that rabies vaccine and education through the years, rabies in wildlife is still fairly uncommon. Bats are the most common carrier of rabies. This story comes out of Utah, where they've also documented foxes and skunks, raccoons and coyotes. I've spent a lot of time in the woods and on the prairie, and I haven't seen rabies very often. But I do remember the year that I saw it the most. It was 1996. And that year, while hunting on a ranch southwest of Wichita Falls, Texas, between the 1st of November and the end of February, I came across three rabid coyotes. Luckily, each time I was hunting with a partner who could hold the dogs while I dispatched the coyotes with my shotgun. If you encounter a rabid animal, immediately call the local animal control people. They need to know about it, and if that critter is still alive, they need to capture that animal for testing. Don't try to trap the animal yourself. In my situation, rabies was obvious, death was the answer. If the animal is unable to be submitted for testing, it is presumed that you've been exposed to rabies. You should find medical care the nearest location possible. Once a person begins to show signs of the disease, there is no effective treatment and rabies is almost always fatal. Never blow it off, always follow through. Call the local game warden or health department folks and seek medical help immediately. And of course, keep your bird dogs up to date on their rabies shots. There are some telltale signs that a critter has rabies. Irritability, restlessness, nervousness, unusual behavior. Animals that are typically nocturnal, active during the day, for example. Or animals that typically fly, that are on the ground. Dr. Ken Legal that you hear on the show from time to time, he's a Florida boy. And there's nothing that he likes more about Florida waters than stone crabs. The recreational and commercial stone crab harvest season opens up on Friday, this coming Friday, and remains open through May 1st. The biologists and the fish and game folks and the governor in Wyoming have pretty sound evidence in their favor that they should manage their grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem and not the federal government. That's why Governor Gordon has sent the paperwork along petitioning the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to delist the GYE, Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem, grizzly bear population. Forty-six years 
and $52 million have been invested from Wyoming alone in grizzly bears. And by all measures, they've been fully recovered for nearly 20 years, since 2003. They live with those bears, and they are the best choice to manage them. Let's hope that the federal government, this federal government, will listen to the people. Purina Pro Plan comes in so many different formulas like added glucosamine for older dogs or an intolerance to grain. Yes, there's a Pro Plan formula for grain intolerance. A fella came up to me in Shreveport last week and said, Does Pro Plan make a sensitive skin formula? Yes, they do. You'll find all these formulas at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Missouri, and Kansas. I know a lot of you guys are going to be in a bow stand this weekend. We're talking broadheads with Kinder Outdoors Archery Pro from Cinnamon Creek Archery. Kyle Chambers when we come back. I'm Dave Fulson with Tracks Across Africa TV and Safari Classics. You know when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm always thinking about it with my buddy Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. might hunt the south pasture or maybe the double tanks you've watched that big 10 point for four years now maybe he'll show up or maybe it's a doe you'll hang in the cooler tonight we're almost out of sausage links and taco meat maybe a pig will come by today among all the maybes there is an absolute take your wild game to cinnamon creek wild game processing the masakio family and their decades of family recipes will have your guests at a whitetail dinner complimenting you on the beef because we the way we season them and then we we cry back them vacuum seal them and then let them sit and then we put them in the freezer so it, the the spices get to work on the meat for a little bit if you'll cook them just like a regular fillet you know like medium rare or rare it's perfect i mean it's you can't tell the difference cinnamon creek wild game processing cinnamoncreekranch.com Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas are award-winning artists many times over and for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granbury, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axis, the fish, all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state-to-state state or around the globe. You can trust True Life Taxidermy, truelifetaxidermy.org. Ag Texas, the name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas Pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow. 
and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. Watch that old bird dog out of that chair and have a seat. You're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. Purina Pro Plan, the choice of champions. 89% of the field trial champions across North America are fed Purina Pro Plan performance formula. Pick up a bag for your champ at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Atwood's. Those are cool stores. Both seasons opening up all across the country, and I want to talk about broadheads a little bit with our Kinder Outdoors and Cinnamon Creek Ranch Archery Pro Kyle Chambers. Thanks for hanging around with us today, Kyle. I want to talk about broadheads, mechanical versus fixed. What do you like and why? What's the difference maker? Well, the, the main difference uh, between the two is really more personal preference. A mechanical broadhead is obviously going to fly a little truer because of its lower profile, uh, and it's also probably going to have typically a bigger cutting diameter uh, than a fixed blade broadhead. Fixed blade broadhead, what are the advantages there? Well, with a fixed blade broadhead, obviously there's nothing to go wrong. There's no mechanical error that could that could take place. You know, a lot of, a lot of the broadheads from yesterday um, were a little bit iffy, yeah. you know, sometimes. And you're not going to get that with a, with a fixed blade head. Typically, a fixed blade, especially a cut on contact, where the blade goes all the way to the tip, not like a chisel tip or a replacement blade, uh, will tend to give you a little better penetration as well. You're not using any of that kinetic energy to open that blade when it, when it hits. But with the bows being as fast as they are nowadays, expandables, uh, you know, they're, they're just as proficient. And let's talk about those expandables a minute. How many times uh, those blades are so thin and look so flimsy, but they're really pretty darn tough. How many times can we expect to reuse a mechanical head as opposed to a fixed broadhead? Well, uh, my personal opinion is change the blades every animal. I mean, every time you shoot an animal with that particular head, I would recommend changing the blades. It's just uh, more ethical. You get a good fresh blade. Um, if there's any kind of bends in that blade that maybe we can't see with the naked eye, that completely uh, you know, alleviates that. Let's talk about broadhead weight a little bit. What do you shoot your typical Texas whitetail with? 100 grain is typically what I use. That's pretty standard. What if you're hunting elk in Colorado? Same, 100 grain. Yes, sir. Unless you want to get your front and center up, you can go ahead and, and beef up that front tip weight. It's not going to hurt you none to shoot a 125. 
Uh, 100 grain, though, is the most common, so if you're out somewhere needing to pick up some broadheads, you're liable to find a 100 grain head just about anywhere, whereas a 85 or a 125 might be a little harder to find. But uh, you know, typically speaking, the 100 grain head up front is plenty enough. Arrow length, if we're shooting broadheads as opposed to field tips and practice, some guys say they like to get a little longer arrow to, uh, to put that broadhead out in front of their, their, uh, their brace hand a little bit. Sure, yeah, I'd recommend just cutting your, cut your arrows down to the front of your riser. Uh, should be plenty of clearance. Get that broadhead away from your hand for in case anything was to happen. Most bows now have a, a good full containment rest. You know, it, it's pretty safe. Is it important for us to practice with our broadheads, or can we just shoot our field tips until it's time to, to go hunting and then screw those broadheads on? You always want to practice at least a few shots with your broadheads just to make sure. Um, most broadheads typically fly pretty well, but if you have any tuning issues with your bow, your broadhead, shooting with a broadhead is really going to exaggerate any, any tuning issues you may have, so I highly recommend you shoot with your broadheads first. You know, sacrifice a broadhead or two and go out there and just, and just shoot. And uh, just you know, make sure your bow shooting good with your broadheads. There are so many people making great archery products out there right now, and I'm assuming that broadheads are a lot like bows. There's a lot of really good options out there if you're headed to the to Cinnamon Creek to buy a set of broadheads. Oh yeah, there's tons of options out there with broadheads. Uh, personally speaking, I use a different broadhead just about every year, or even several broadheads. When the customer comes in, I like to be able to tell them my personal experience with each one, if I've had good luck, bad luck, or indifferent. Um, like I said, I've used so many out there. There's a ton of good broadheads on the market. If you want a, a cut on contact, a replacement blade, or an expandable, they're all they're, somebody's going to offer something that's going to work really well for you. I typically take the customer and kind of decide which way they want to go, and I'll, and I'll give them my personal experience with each head. Hey, you can talk to Kyle personally when you visit Cinnamon Creek Ranch Archery, Roanoke, Texas, north side of Fort Worth. We're so blessed to have some of the best dog training minds on planet Earth. I'm talking about pointers and retrievers. This guy, my friend Tom Dockin, is world-renowned for not only his pointer and retriever training, but shed dog training as well. Really good guy to call upon when we have a dog question, and I do have a dog question, Tom. You know, really ideal waterfowling conditions are like, you know, 12 degrees and sleet in our faces. <laughs> And so we bundle up. We we have some pretty good stuff these days to keep us warm. Uh, but we send our dogs out into that frigid water for those retrieves many times without anything at all. We probably need to stop and think that over, don't we? You really don't think about it. You've got all this clothes on. You've got the latest gear. You've got insulated waders. You're sitting there. You're comfortable. And your dog's sitting outside the blind. He's just made a couple of retrieves. Now... You expect him to sit there, he's wet, wind's blowing, colder than heck, and, uh, and be patient with it. And two things, especially, you know, you have a dog that has a lot of intensity, yeah, he's, he's going to be fine with that for a while. But nowadays, we've got equipment that's going to make him more comfortable, and he's going to last longer. You know, especially if you're on a two- or three-day hunt, you wear that dog down that first day. I mean, he's going to be, you know, less energized the next couple of days. Neoprene vest. You know, it's, it's one thing that uh, I'm a staunch believer in. And what I'll do, there's different thicknesses. I like a 3-millimeter vest. It's a little thinner vest. And I'll get it about a size smaller than it should be. Because when I put that vest on, I want it snugged up and I want it tight. 
by having it tight, you're not going to have a lot of excess air underneath it. And if you get the right fit on your vest, that dog can be out making retrieves, extremely cold. He comes back, and you can slide your hand up in there, and it's dry, bone dry. Um, that's one thing to do. Another thing that you can do, especially if you have a dog that's been out working a lot, maybe a little bit of a younger dog, when there's a little break in the action, get up, get him out of the blind, run him around a little bit. You, you, you're kind of, it's like you doing jumping jacks, you're cold. Get that uh, blood circulating a little bit. Get him sat back down. He's, he's going to be just happier. Or, uh, and I see this happen a lot too, I mean, somebody will be standing in their waders, you know, waist deep or, or knee deep, and that dog is chest deep standing in the water. He's cold. So now they have uh, dog benches, portable ones you can put in, keeping that dog up and out of the water. Uh, we want we want that dog to be comfortable with what he's doing, but also we don't want him thinking that every time he goes duck hunting, he's going to be miserable. You're going to sour him out. And that's one thing you don't want to do. Yeah. Explain this to me, Tom Dockin. What What's wrong with water fowlers? They're just... They're just not right. There's something wrong. They, you know, the Thanksgiving prayer. They ask for a 12-degree day with ice so they can go sit in the lake. What, what, what's going on in your mind? I don't know. There, there, there must be something wrong with this. But, you know, we probably all had that one day where everything, all the stars were aligned. Everything just happened. But you know, me as a duck hunter, I don't mind a bright sunny day with heavy wind. I want big wind. I want big wind because your birds are going to be moving. Uh, I've had some of my best shoots on days like that. But you get the classic with the your cold, the ice, you know, everything's going. And a lot of times you're shooting late season birds. I mean, it's getting towards the end of the season, uh, and you know that your days are limited. And it makes it special. And I hunt, you know, in those conditions. One other thing you got to think about, too, is that cold water is if you're hunting divers, big water, and you've got cripples out there, uh, there's times to send the dog and there's times to just go, nope, we'll go get the boat. I've seen dogs get in trouble out in that big water. Um, they're after a cripple that's diving. He gets way out there. He gets out of earshot range. And, uh, and all of a sudden, that dog is not going to be able to get back to shore. I've seen it happen one time. Uh, lucky enough, uh, the guy that uh, had his dog got to the boat and got out there and picked him up. So you got to use some common sense because it can be critical. His kennel is in Northfield, Minnesota, just south of Minneapolis-St. Paul, a short ways. My friend Tom Dockin, one of the very, very best. Hey, in case you missed it last hour, our muskox conversation with Bryn Parr. She's a wildlife biologist in Nome, Alaska. We're going to repeat that for you coming up. And we're not through with you, Kyle Chambers, our archery pro. He's going to help us get sighted in. By the way, Alaska, the only place in these United States that holds the muskox. And yes, there is a season. They are huntable. You can learn more about that by visiting me at kinderoutdoors.com. And then just click on the hunting regulations for all 50 states. Then Alaska, then hunting, then muskox. You see the trail I'm going down here. Hi, this is Tuff Edelman, world champion bull rider. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. 
The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall. The Dead Rabbit Lodge. (laughs) You see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Therefore, the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Oahe. The view from your giant western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom. Perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the Dead Rabbit. At DSC, the mission has been so solid and successful in the areas of hunter advocacy, education, and conservation that our membership has grown to include people from around the globe, like-minded conservationists that know the importance of teaching our young people how to fish, hunt, camp, and conserve. If you share the desire to pass along these great rights to your children, consider a DSC membership. Dallas Safari Club is truly an international organization with our roots and annual convention and expo in Dallas, Texas. But there are DSC chapters all across America. We believe that the North American model of science-based conservation works. We carefully vet and support groups that purely work towards science-based conservation. And we spend a great deal of time and money on our future generations, sharing our rich hunting history and heritage. DSC also stands toe-to-toe every day against the forces that would abolish your gun rights and your right to hunt and fish. Stand with us. Visit biggame.org. At Classic Chevrolet Grapevine, we know all about the early morning memories made in the cab of the truck. Because it's fun to um, be able to uh, do something with my dad and my older brother. So what time did you have to get up this morning to uh, to get all the way down here and dressed and fed and ready to go? 4.30. 4.30. Don't you normally get up about 4.30, though? Mm-hmm. No. no way. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's fun, though, when you're coming out to the dove field to get up that early. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yes. There you very. go. Did you see your daddy shooting at that dove right then? Yes. Do you see that dove still flying? Uh, probably. <laughs> At Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we know that the cab of the truck is a special place. It's where family heritage is carried down the trail. Important things happen here. Trusted conversations, understanding smiles, life's victories and laughter, sometimes tears. We're honored to ride along with your family. ClassicChevrolet.com For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me, heroes who charged into battle through bombs and bullets 
who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore, men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. Flush that old bird dog out of that chair and have a seat. You're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. I've hunted wild birds from West Texas to Montana, Arizona, and every place in between. And I'm here to tell you, there is not a better bird hunting experience than Joshua Creek Ranch in the Texas Hill Country. It's another year where our quail in West Texas and Western Oklahoma, those numbers are not good. They are at Joshua Creek Ranch, and they fly wild, boys, I'm telling you. Take the family, enjoy the fruits of your labor. The dining, the lodging, the shooting, it's all first class at Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. When I first heard about the work that Bryn Parr, wildlife biologist Bryn Parr, is doing with the muskox in Alaska, I knew that I had to talk to her about that on the show. And our conversation turned out to be just as fascinating as I thought it would. Hey, I'm so excited to have Bryn Parr on the line with me from Nome, Alaska, a, uh, a biologist there in Alaska. Bren, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's really good to have you here because you're going to give us some insight today on a critter that very few human beings will ever experience eyeball to eyeball, and that's the muskox. Uh, pretty, pretty cool and interesting animal as I read about your research. Pretty fascinating, aren't they? They really are. It's uh, a very unique animal, and I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to study them. So, Bren, how did you end up in Alaska studying muskox? Are you from the lower 48, or are you, is, is Alaska home? No, I grew up in Illinois. Um, I have an uncle up here who flies biologists around, and um, one winter he came back to Illinois for Christmas with all these cool photos of some of the research projects that he had helped out on. And um, it just something finally clicked in my head that there are biologists out there who study animals, and I wanted to be one of them. So um, I shifted gears and decided to go to college to be a wildlife biologist. And then when I graduated with my master's, I bought a one-way ticket to Alaska. See, kids, you can do it. <laughs> yep. How cool is that? Bren is a wildlife biologist in uh, Alaska. I guess you live there uh, Nome, and something that Nome residents can do that I guess no one else can in the United States is maybe look out the window and see a, a muskox out on the lawn. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a strange <laughs> sight for sure. It takes some getting used to. <laughs> so let's talk about the muskox a little bit. First of all, the the how big is the muskox population, and where are they outside of Alaska? Do you know? The current population on the Seward Peninsula, which includes the Nome population here, 
um, is estimated to be about 2,100 animals, and I think it's somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 animals total in the state of Alaska. Um, and then as far as where they're found in the world, you'll find them in Alaska, uh, northern Canada, and Greenland. And that's it. Limited uh, in, in they are muskox are in limited supply. <laughs> and yes. pretty fascinating research. Uh, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I knew nothing about a muskox. And I started reading about your research, and I was, uh, I, I was fascinated to hear that they roar uh, kind of like a lion. Uh, they make a pretty threatening sound, don't they? Yeah, it's a, it's a very surprising sound. If you're not looking at them and seeing the animal that's making the noise, um, it can definitely catch you off guard the first couple times you hear it. They also, um, in defense, I guess, because they've got to fight off grizzlies and wolves and some, some pretty bad stuff up there, uh, but they all band together uh, to uh, protect themselves. Yeah, they do a traditional circling the wagon type defense. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, typically when a predator comes, they'll circle up and they'll put the babies in the middle and um, the adult heads will be faced out because that's where the horns are and their main method of protecting themselves. They'll also um, form a line sometimes. So if it's just a single predator, They'll line up and all the adults will face that wolf or that bear um, or that human. And then the younger animals will be behind them. And they will venture out. They'll, they'll come eat the, the roses out of the lawn in the summertime, right, and the flowers? Yeah, yep. They enjoy coming into town and <laughs> um, annoying people by eating from their gardens or their flower beds. <laughs> We have that trouble with white-tailed deer in Texas, but we've never looked out the window and seen a muskox. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, the winters around Nome, Alaska, and in Greenland and places like that are brutal, but these guys are well-equipped for that. They are. They've got super warm fur. So they've got two layers of fur. Um, there's kivia underneath, and that's a super warm, it's eight times warmer than your warmest wool and softer as well. And then they've got the long skirt hairs that help wick off moisture and um, kind of cover the longer parts of their, or, excuse me, cover their legs and keep them well protected. Well, and you guys have done some research, uh, some hair research. It's amazing what you can learn uh, just from a few you, uh, I guess, follicles or, or hairs removed from uh, the mascot. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating that the long guard hairs will grow continuously throughout life, and it'll just eventually break off when the bottom of that hair hits the ground. But because it grows continuously, you've got up to four years of data basically stored in this single hair. And so um, using cool technology that even I don't fully understand yet, we're able to go in there and pull out different hormones so we can look back in time and see if that was a female, if she was pregnant at any time in the last four years. We can look at um, a cortisol stress hormone to see how stressed out they got at different times of year, um, and we can correlate that to spring or summer or winter um, as well. So it's it's pretty fascinating. It seems like it's uh, just so much data that could be pulled out of that hair. Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, 
this has got to be lonely work. Uh, it's you and a herd of muskox out there. I saw a picture of you. Riley Woodford wrote a great article about the muskox, and there's a picture of you uh, sitting out there on the tundra uh, doing your research, and it's just Bryn and the muskox out there. Do you ever talk to the muskox, Bryn? <laughs> um, well, probably should admit it, but yes, I do. I'll, I'll talk to them and say, it's all right. It's, this is quick, and it's almost over, and thank you for letting me handle you. And yeah, I do talk to them. <laughs> More from Bryn coming up in a few minutes. I do want to remind you to take a look online, though, at Joshua Creek Ranch. Look at the Axis deer hunting and what comes off of this low-fence, free-range ranch. Yes, you could end up shooting a Boone and Crockett Axis. It's five-star everything, especially the hunting. Check out Joshua Creek Ranch when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com. Kyle Chambers is our archery pro from Cinnamon Creek Archery. And he's talking about sighting in. So personally, I'll always start at 20. The reason being, bows are fast enough nowadays that up to 20 yards, that pin's going to hit real close. Whether you're at 5, 10, 15, or 20, you're going to be just a couple inches, you know, right in there with that 20-yard pin. And I like to start by adjusting my whole gang housing. And the gang is the gang adjustment is the actual aperture that holds all the pins together, whether you're moving it left, right, up, or down. How do you set your pins? Just curious. I'm pretty traditional. I'll set mine at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards. Uh, I do it in 10-yard increments. Now, that's not set in stone. And, you know, back when I was a tournament archer and I shot in the hunter class, I would set my pins a little bit differently based off of, you know, the top targets I was shooting. And it keeps me from having to do that pin gapping that some people just, they don't like to do it. Are you just going to assume that your broadheads are going to hit the same place that your field tips are when you sighted that bow in? Uh, that's another thing. If you're actually going to be hunting, I would recommend, highly recommend, sighting this bow in with your broadheads. You know, you'd hope that if your bow is tuned properly, your broadheads and your field tips will hit together. And majority of the time, that is going to be the case. But there is some rare cases where that's just, that just, it doesn't happen that way. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle Chambers at Cinnamon Creek Ranch. Hey, let's go grab a fresh cup of coffee, and when we come back, we'll finish our muskox conversation with Bren Parr in Nome, Alaska. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Billy, let's go fishing. I'm going to lay this out to you as simply as I possibly can because it really is simple. Buy your cold weather wear from Ron and Teresa Miskin at the Buffalo Wool Company. And stay warm. Gloves, socks, hats, beanies. I love my neck gaiter. All made from the insulating fibers of the American bison. The same fiber or buffalo wool that protects the buffalo against a frigid winter in Montana, Wyoming, or the Dakotas. Buffalo wool is warmer than traditional wool. And it's luxuriously soft on your skin. Not scratchy or abrasive. It wicks moisture away and is unbelievably tough, lasting year after year. And they back up what they sell with a 100% money-back guarantee if you're not happy. Take a look, thebuffalowoolco.com, thebuffalowoolco.com. It's simple. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. 
grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. I'm Tom Watson with Bended Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there is peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org. I want to urge you to plan what will be the trip of a lifetime to Argentina. Hunt doves or ducks with my friends at Cordoba Doves. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative, and he's right here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Call him at 817-797-9020. Like me, you can plan your next trip of a lifetime with Lane Balky and Cordoba Doves. We pick you up at the airport, and you're in our care custody and control. All meals, all drinks, all eats are included in the package. Lane is a hunter himself, and when he describes that first morning that you'll witness in the field, it raises the hairs on the back of your neck. The first morning, the fly-off of the roost in the morning is spectacular. Birds almost as far as you can see, and they fly like that all day until sunset. Come on, let's go to Argentina. It's closer than you think. Visit CordobaDoves.com or give Lane a call, 817-797-9020. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. redfish on the fly rod, fresh walleye in a skillet, big tom turkeys running to your call, a massive 6x6 within 30 yards, and a new personal best in the bass boat. That's life at our camp at Kender Outdoors. Here's what you need to do, uh, and do it right now for next summer. Call Joe and Ann Kerchival at Joshua Creek Ranch. The number is at kinderoutdoors.com in the Texas Hill Country, and tell them you want to come stay in the treehouse. Now, it's not your typical treehouse. It's finest splendor tucked in the top of the trees on a bluff overlooking the Guadalupe River. There are multiple bedrooms in the whole family, 
will have plenty of room to stretch out and plenty of river to fish. Don't forget the fly rod, but just in case you do, they have a well-equipped pro shop. Joshua Creek Ranch, hunting, fishing, eating, sleeping, repeat tomorrow. Let's get back to our conversation with Bren Parr in Alaska, studying the muskox. It's fascinating how you guys uh, doctor or treat or research these animals, collect uh, research material from these animals, these muskox. You jump out of a helicopter, is that right? <laughs> Sometimes. It depends on what we're doing. But, yeah, one of the current projects that we're working on, we're trying to determine when and why younger muskox die and so the best way that we found to do that was to put collars on them when they're first born anywhere from a day to two weeks old um, and to catch them at that age uh, yeah we we jump off the helicopter skid we'll come in low and the calves aren't able to keep up with the adults yet so they'll just naturally fall behind when the group takes off running and um, we'll be one of us will be stationed on that skid and as we get close we'll just take a little jump off and catch the calf and put a collar on it quick and let it go. How long does that take total from the time you leave the skid of that helicopter to the time you're finished with your work? Uh, the average time this past spring was 16 seconds. Oh, yeah. You've got to get it done fast because I'm thinking Mama Muskox over there is not real happy with you guys, you know, whatever you're doing to that cat. <laughs> they are not happy at all. Um, and we, they're just a, they're a very unique animal and it doesn't take much for the mama to just forget that she had a calf and walk away. So we're, we try to minimize scent transfer. So we'll wear gloves and we'll wear leg uh, booties that will minimize the smell of humans touching that animal. The collars we'll throw in a bag of tundra ahead of time so that the collar smells like the tundra that the animals are out on. And then, yeah, we, we try to minimize and make that collaring process as fast as possible to get the calf back with mom as fast as possible. 16 seconds, you know, you could you could qualify for like a NASCAR pit crew or, uh, you know, <laughs> the muskox crew is pretty fast there uh, taking care of that. What do these collars tell us? When you collar these calves, what, what, is, what information are you looking for? It is basically alive or dead, and we can, as long as we're out flying, we can track their movements. So the collar is equipped with a motion sensor, and if that animal stops moving, whether it's because the collar fell off or because the animal died, that collar stops moving and eventually the signal switches over and says, hey, I'm dead, come find me. Um, so we'll go out and we'll investigate and try to figure out what happened. Um, and then they're not GPS equipped. They don't give us a location every day in order to find that collar or find the animal. We have to be out physically radio tracking either from the air or from the ground. Wow. Okay. So it's a mortality study, and uh, you're trying to determine what percentage uh, did the grizzlies get, what percentage died of natural causes, et cetera, nutrition. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I got you. Very good. The muskox, not very many people uh, realize and know that we have uh, a healthy herd of muskox in Alaska, in the United States, but uh, just like our white-tailed deer or anything else, these numbers must be managed. Um, the herds must be managed. So there's active hunting of the muskox, right? There is, yes. And you can, I guess, learn more about that through uh, through the state of uh, Alaska with the fishing game folks. 
up there, and they can they can tell you about that. And and I would think um, that Brent, your work and the work of other biologists there uh, determines the season length, just like in the lower 48 with our ducks or anything else, uh, season length and and uh, herd control. How many numbers you need to to take out? Yeah, that's part of the study on the Seward Peninsula here is aimed at, at determining that. So we're looking at the calf mortality, how many of them die and when and what do they die from. But as part of that, we're also looking at the importance of mature bulls. And, you know, we're correlating, okay, does this calf die? How many mature bulls were in the group with it? Um, do we need a certain number of mature bulls per group in order to increase the chances of survival? Um, and so basically when we're done with this study, what we hope to take away is looking at how many of the calves survive to be recruited into the population and then also just how important are those bulls to that calf survival. Mm-hmm. I was interested uh, in when I, when I was reading, uh, there was a paragraph entitled Other Ways to Die, of course, talking about wolves, talking about bears uh, in these mortality rates. And a couple of really odd things have happened through the years. I guess uh, there's there's proof that uh, wolverines killed a calf at one time, and even golden eagles, uh, with their powerful talons, killed a calf at one time. So, you know, basically, if you're a muskox calf uh, in Alaska, everything's out to get you. Yes. For that first month, you're pretty susceptible to just about anything. Do you ever want to take them home and, like, raise them for the first 60 days in the spare bedroom? <laughs> it has crossed my mind, but I don't think my dogs would approve. <laughs> that may not work out too well. Well, hey, it is absolutely fascinating. Uh, Bren Parr is a wildlife biologist studying the muskox in Alaska, and I highly recommend you come to my, my website, kinderoutdoors.com. We've got the article by Riley uh, Woodford linked up there so you can read it uh, for yourself and and learn more about Bren's good work. Thank you so much for the for the muskox education today, Bren. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you and say, Bren, I'm coming to the airport. Pick me up. Show me a muskox. <laughs> you might not even need my help. You'll probably see him as the plane comes into land. <laughs> this is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled. But we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids. And in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at KinderOutdoors.com. 
I love it every morning when I open up the email and I see notes from folks like James Wadding in Brighton, Michigan, Eddie Heron in Marietta, Georgia, Michael Allen, South Plainfield, New Jersey. Hey, they like to hunt and fish in New Jersey. Kathy Conley, Pierce City, Missouri. Jeff Hargraves, Cranfels Gap, Texas. Coast to coast and border to border across the U.S. and Canada. Thank you sincerely for listening. I also want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for this time that we have together each week. Without Him, nothing is possible. I hope you enjoyed your time in camp with us today. And I want to invite you back to this old camp house next time around. Until then, may God bless you and your bunch. (laughs) 